Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to episode 19 of SFF Addicts, a bi-weekly panel podcast featuring writers from FanFiAddict.com, authors, publishing professionals, bloggers, and more, where we come together to chat about science fiction and fantasy, as well as the occasional jaunt into the wider SFF industry. I'm your host, Adrian M. Gibson, and this week we're kicking ass and taking names as I chat about martial arts and SFF with authors Fonda Lee, K.S. Veloso, Alexander Darwin, and Sam Hawk. Now, in all honesty, this is a topic that I don't know much about personally, beyond my love for Hong Kong action movies and occasional UFC fights and that kind of thing. So it ended up being a really awesome panel, and I learned a lot, so hopefully you do as well. It was pretty eye-opening hearing from these four authors about their personal experience with martial arts, as well as how they've incorporated that experience into their work in such interesting ways. Now, before we jump into the panel, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the amazing folks at The Broken Binding. They live to serve all of your fantasy and sci-fi needs with signed books, reprints, and the most amazing gift wrapping you could ever ask for. Make sure to visit them at thebrokenbinding.co.uk and use the promo code FANFI, F-A-N-F-I, for 5% off your next order. All right, now on to the panel. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 19 of SFF Addicts, and I'm very pleased today to be joined by a fantastic panel of authors. Today's topic is also something that I'm really excited to delve into, which is martial arts in sci-fi and fantasy. You know, as a lover of old school martial arts films and a casual viewer of mixed martial arts cage fighting and stuff like that, this is a topic that fascinates me despite my actual lack of personal experience. But All of my panelists today do have experience writing martial arts in their fiction, as well as practicing or having practiced martial arts in some form. So first up is Fonda Lee, making her second appearance on the show. She's a black belt in both karate and kung fu and is the world and fantasy and Aurora award-winning author of the Greenbone Saga. And she also wrote Zero Boxer and the Exo series. So welcome back to the show, Fonda. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on, Adrian. It's a pleasure. It's good to see you again. And my next three guests are all making their first appearances on the show, including K.S. Filoso. She practiced Aikido and Filipino martial arts during her childhood in Manila, Philippines, later immigrating to British Columbia, Canada. Shout out to my home province. And now she is a fantasy author, having penned the Chronicles of the Bitch Queen series, the Argates epilogues and more. So welcome, Kay. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And we also have Sam Hawk with us. She is lawyer by day, a jujitsu instructor by night, as well as the author of the epic fantasy duology, The Poison Wars, starting with City of Lies and followed up with Hollow Empire. So happy to have you here, Sam. How are you? Hi, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And lastly, Alexander Darwin. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu black belt, teaching and training the forum. And he is the author of the Combat Codes saga, including the Combat Codes, Griever's Blood, and Blacklight Born. But some exciting news to share for all of you, which is that the Combat Code saga has been picked up by Orbit Books and will be re-released starting next year in the spring. So welcome to the show, Alexander, and a heartfelt congratulations on that news. It's really awesome. 
Thank you, Adrian. Glad to be here. Good to, good to see everyone. Yeah, man. Good to have you here. So I mentioned briefly in each of your introductions that, you know, you have certain experiences with martial arts, but to give folks a better idea of, uh, you know, your relationship with martial arts, can you share a bit about how you got started and what it means to you personally? So Alexander, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think I had a little bit of an unorthodox start. Um, I did the kind of, I grew up in, in the Boston uh, area in the U.S., and I did the kind of regular thing where I did karate. And that, when I was really young, and that didn't have much of a, an effect on me, it was, it was more just uh, something you, you, you had your kids do um, in the, you know, 80s. <laughs> yeah. um, and <laughs> the trend I, back I also then, was yeah. not that big of, exactly. I wasn't that big of a fan of like martial arts movies either when I was growing up, when I was, when I was pretty young. And then in, in high school, I, I did Kung Fu, which also, which was fun because I was never really that good at, at team sports. So I started kind of, you know, figuring out late, I guess, you know, 17 or 18 or, um, that, that I was more of the type of person that, that liked to do individualized sports, which was, which was good to find out then, but a, a bit too late you know, throughout high school, I was trying all the, all the other sports and was really just terrible at, not a very athletic kid at all. Um, you know, I never did that many, that many sports as a, as a kid, but I did enjoy Kung Fu quite a bit. And, but it, but it wasn't until, uh, university, uh, I went to Boston university that I started, uh, in the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu club around 2003. Um, and that is kind of where my my passion for you know very nerdy things like like you know movies and dungeons and dragons and and fantasy books kind of melded with with the real the real world in that i found you know mm -hmm. essentially a, a form of of magic being performed on me um and, and since then <laughs> i i was very entranced by it and, and have not turned back um and went on to to have I've practiced that for for almost 20 years now. Man, that's fantastic and I love how you how you portrayed in this way of like you know, from the perspective of people who love fantasy and love science fiction and things like that, the sort of magic and the wonder and all of that, but the the fact that you felt that for for Brazilian jiu-jitsu jiu is amazing and I love that you, you know, I could see it just in your face like something changed, this little spark ignited within you, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know a few a few of the the other panelists here have d done Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but I had had no experience with wrestling. You know, I've I'd messed around, uh, you know, gotten beat up essentially by some of my friends that were wrestlers in high school, but really had not had any grappling experience. And then the, my experience starting Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was just like grappling with a a guy who's probably 140 pounds him being able to control me as if by magic, like with me being entirely unable to do anything, um, was a, a very eye-opening experience. And you hear the same thing over and over from, from many people that, that, you know, start grappling in general. And that was a pretty, pretty cool thing, um, that, that got me into it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and Fonda, what about you? What was sort of your, uh, introduction to martial arts and, and what does it mean to you personally? Well, it's funny hearing Alex talk about 
doing karate in the 80s because that's exactly what I did. So I actually was a big fan of martial arts um, movies and media and, you know, wanted to be a Ninja Turtle and then, you know, started doing karate <laughs> and then did not give, uh, like, didn't stop. So I just kept uh, advancing through karate. I did it for, um, you know, well into my 20s, became a second degree black belt. And then um, went through some moves in my life uh, and ended up um, in here in the Pacific Northwest where I could not find a karate dojo right near where I was um, and started, uh, did, did kind of a, a swerve and started training in Kung Fu. I did that for over a decade um, until I reached the black belt there. And then along the way, I've also done some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a bit of Wing Chun and Tai Chi. Um, and yeah, it's always been, it's like I've, I've had my fits and starts with martial arts, but um, definitely I got kind of inspired to do it at a young age, partially because of media and, you know, the, the Bruce Lee movies and the, that I watched and the, and the karate kid, like all that um, definitely played a big part in sort of sparking this lifelong part, you know, the element of my personality. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And uh, Sam, what about you? Sort of what's your uh, relationship with martial arts? How'd you get started with that? And, and what does it mean to you to, to practice it and teach it always, as well? I always love hearing other authors talk about martial arts because I feel like <laughs> it is a sport with the greatest crossover with nerdism. Yes. Like, I feel like more nerds are drawn to martial arts than any other sport. And so <laughs> basically exactly like Alex, I was not I was not a team sport player of any description and I never really liked any team sports of any kind. Um, yeah. But I was always just really obsessed with martial arts and I, I don't really know. I mean, part of it was probably the same thing as what Fonda was talking about. It was probably the media I was consuming when I was a kid. Um, but my, 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 my dad had done um, a Japanese sort of a, we call it Japanese jiu-jitsu. It's predominantly Japanese jiu-jitsu, but it's got a bunch of other elements sort of like a, a primitive MMA kind of thing without the um, competitive fighting stuff so it had some <laughs> boxing and some judo and some karate and uh, some jiu-jitsu and my dad had done that before my uh, mm -hmm. my older brother and sister were born um and then my older brother and sister started training in that probably when I was I think my brother started when I was about nine or ten uh, and I was desperate absolutely desperate to do it with him but my dad didn't want to drive me to the junior class I was very small one of five siblings and I'm the little one <laughs> he didn't want to take me to the junior class and then have to come back and get my brother and sister to take them to the senior class so right. this was largely a product of too many children and not enough cars um, <laughs> I was not allowed to do martial arts so I just fought with my brother at home when he came home basically every night from when I was about nine until oh, I was so cool. kind of in my mid-teens uh, so he would teach me wrestling and pressure points and we would just spar um, and he had a friend whose dad owned a um, Chinese video store who'd just bring home like low quality pirated Chinese um, martial arts movies and we would just watch them all weekend. I was just obsessed with Jackie Chan and Jet Li and um, I, I kept at my parents um, all through sort of my early teens about doing jiu-jitsu um, and they still were very firm that I had to be bigger and stronger before. Like, I think they just thought I was going to eventually have a growth spurt and I just never did. Um, so out of rebellion, I took up karate uh, because I could get myself to the karate class um, right. down the road. Uh, and I did karate for probably, uh, I guess, eight or nine years. And I met wow. my, my now husband there doing that. Um, uh, and we were in our late teens by that stage. Um, 
and he had a car, so I convinced him we should go do jujitsu as well. And then we sort of <laughs> merged. <laughs> I stole him away from karate, and um, that was a good move. It was jiu-jitsu. a very good move. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we trained. We trained in jujitsu um, together as training partners all the way through to getting our black belts. Um, mm-hmm. And we now run a club together um, down the road. And our kids and my niece and nephew train with us in our junior class. And so it's like a whole family thing now. But like over the years, I've done a whole bunch of like. If I had unlimited time, I would just do all of the martial arts. So I've done Kabuto and Tai Chi and um, uh, BJJ. I really love BJJ, but um, I've never, I've never sort of been able to keep doing it for a sustained period long enough. Um, but um, yeah, like like Alex, uh, it's just such a grappling is so magical in that it just you can feel so completely helpless. And when you're a smaller person with bigger people as well, um, just the the sheer joy that you come from moving a much larger person yeah. in a way that shouldn't shouldn't be possible <laughs> if it is is very fun um just the same so yeah, no, i don't know it was just it was the sport that i was always into um uh, i just really it's just fun right like it, mm-hmm. it's, i don't know it, it's, it never felt like work to me i always really just love it and that's i mean i love that that story because it's like it's so ingrained in your family but at the same time it's like a really good karate movie or really good like martial arts movie. You overcame the challenges that people were denying you the ability to <laughs> fulfill your dreams. And then you did it. You found your the husband. The challenge of and getting convinced- five suburbs <laughs> over. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's fantastic. Cool. And uh, Kay, what about you? What's your personal uh, history with martial arts? And, you know, what does it mean to you? I love how everyone here is saying like we started in nerdy ways because <laughs> I I too wanted to be a turtle when I was little. Yeah. <laughs> Which was your favorite one, Kay? Leonardo. Oh, okay. He's my second favorite. Raphael's my favorite. I like Are Raphael. You? Yeah. Raphael. Raphael. Raphael's yeah. my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> sorry, Kay. Sorry, Kay. <laughs> yeah, so so I was really nerdy, like like the the kind of kid who didn't go outside. I just read and watched movies, and I didn't have siblings. So one of my uncles was an Aikido instructor back in our home province in Bicol. So he started expressing concern that, you know, I was starting to get really pale and, like, all drooped, and <laughs> I don't go out. Like, so he's like, we have to train this kid. And like I said, he was, he was a high ranking master in the, in the school back in Bicol. I think he was like the second at the top. He was close friends with the, with the founder of Aikido in our home province. So he asked one of their students to actually personally train me. So I I was getting like a one, one one-on-one instruction with, like one of their students who she she was she was like in her 20s at the mm-hmm. time and I was like I was a, I was a little kid so <laughs> so the, the way the way that the school worked is that they didn't want us training in a dojo as much as possible so basically I was being trained outside in the hot asphalt under the hot sun in parking lots yeah in <laughs> parking lots with cars like just running by us and that was how the school prided itself in it it didn't like 
like their their ideology is that there's there's no trophies there's no like they, they don't even do it for for profit i don't think we paid for this school it was just it was for self defense that was their thing and so you know it, it wasn't easy training in the heat in the, like wearing the whole gi and everything but <laughs> but the, like that that's i remember that so you know, we would we would train every week, and this little nerdy kid learned to you know do exercises and was like I, I was all bruised up because they like they they didn't believe in being light on you. They they just you know you just train your body. It's not so much about so so there was not a lot of sparring involved. It was a lot of you know of exercises, meditation. Mm. So. You know, it, it was very interesting. Like, uh, we uh, I stopped practicing when we came to Canada because, like, there, I I didn't think I could find an experience the way like a, a dojo experience the way I had it there. So, it it was it was a very like formative part of my years that like it it, it just brings me closer to home when I think of martial arts because it because of the whole connection with my uncle and my like my home province and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, when you told me when you told me on Twitter on the DM that it's just like we were training in parking lots I'm just like picturing in my head a bunch of young Filipino kids like practicing in a parking lot and there's just <laughs> so it was just me and like my my instructor's roommates really so it's like four four women four young women okay I was imagining way more people than this <laughs> no, it was just us. Like one time we were meditating and some guys were even trying to sneak up on us. And my instructor just gave them like the stare down and then they, they went away. <laughs> oh, amazing. It was, so it cool. was very real, real world, you know, yeah. application. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like, no, we got to train in the real world and see how it can be applied to everyday life, you know? I think, Kay, I think Kay's origin story is the most badass. <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> except except you know i had the whole nerd thing going on like i had big glasses <laughs> no but that doesn't that doesn't matter it's like that's like your that's like your clark kent identity versus your badass training in a parking lot identity you just take the so glasses a, off and boom my instructor was like she, she was really badass like you, you know i i felt safe just training with her she was she was amazing <laughs> Oh, that's great. And, uh, you know, Fonda, Sam, you're mentioning, uh, you know, old martial arts movies and stuff like that. You know, I personally, I grew up on things like Jackie Chan. I remember seeing uh, Rumble in the Bronx and then realizing that it was filmed in Vancouver. And I was just like, holy shit, and lost my mind. And I just, I love Jackie Chan and Project A and all this stuff. And, you know, and then Jet Li and Chow Yun Fat and all the hard-boiled and and those kinds of hong kong cinema is fantastic but i was curious if any of you have ever seen or had ever seen you know earlier on in your life martial arts actually appearing in science fiction or fantasy so uh sam i'll start with you um i don't know now that you say that um it's always been something i've seen more of um in a visual form than in than in written form, and maybe that mm-hmm. maybe that's not true. Maybe it's more that it's more memorable in visual form, um, because I find even as someone who really loves martial arts, 
uh, it's more fun to watch it, right? Like it's, it's it's much easier to watch a really cool fight scene, and I find fight scenes that you can actually watch on on TV, um, generally speaking, way more memorable than written ones. If only just because you know, um, I'm I'm not maybe it's maybe it's how I read, but I'm not I'm not the kind of reader who kind of has the um, the film going in their head kind of right. kind of readings. I'm not hugely visual, um, so I I strongly prefer watching martial arts on. Um, on TV, um, I'm just trying to think if I can think of any kind of early, um, early books that I read in my youth that would have had martial arts in them. You have to come back to me. I can't think of any off the top of my head. No worries. Has anyone sure else uh, thought of something or anything that they can remember that had martial arts in sci-fi or fantasy? Fonda, you're not. Well, for me, The Matrix was a formative movie in my life. That was, yeah. you know, I, I, I remember going and seeing The Matrix in the theaters. And you know the part where like Neo is plugged into the Matrix, and he's like, he opens his eyes, and he's like, "I know Kung Fu." And I was like, "Oh man, if it was that easy, like I would like to download Kung Fu into my brain too." But like that whole um, experience of like portraying martial arts in such a stylistic, compelling, like never before seen on the screen kind of way in this uh, this like futuristic um sci-fi landscape i i just re- like that movie just burned its way into my brain um and was you know very formative for me as a storyteller later on um and the other place where uh i really saw martial arts in um in in science fiction fantasy were uh, wuxia novels so in my teens my my dad introduced me to the whole genre of wuxia because um Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out, and I loved that movie. Uh, and it was like the first time that I had seen um, you know, martial arts in this kind of fantasy uh, depiction of it, right? Like people running up walls and kind of like jumping through the, like flying through the bamboo forest. And my dad was like, you know, if you like that, there's like an entire genre of fiction. So um, that's when I discovered like the Jin Yong novels and uh and and got into into wuxia fiction so i had i had consumed quite a bit of martial arts in science fiction and fantasy before i started writing it cool yeah i mean we'll get into that i the 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 legend of the condor series is fantastic i've read the first two books and i think it's like they've only translated a certain number so i'm just kind of like they're up to four now translate more perfect so the fourth one i I can't think came out recently um, and nice. it was, they actually sent, uh, I think it was either the third or fourth, the fourth book. Um, they sent it to me to blurb and I was like, I'm blurbing Jin Yong. Like this is wild. So <laughs> I, I've actually blurbed this novel that, you know, it's all, was, com- it's was, all come full circle, Fonda. Yes. <laughs> cool. And, uh, Kay, have you, have you, um, thought of any sci-fi or fantasy, you know, fiction or films that you remember seeing martial arts in? Well, growing up, I was like really into anime and, you know, manga. So that's mostly my exposure to martial arts in in that context. I also remember watching those like really old kung fu movies that have like bad dubbing. And I can't remember it, but I just vaguely remember watching them a lot when I was little. But in terms of fiction, I think Fonda's books were the first one I encountered. (laughs) Yeah, in, in like Western novels. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's great. And yeah, I mean, anime for me was one of those big ones too. It's like, I grew up on Dragon Ball and I just loved, love, love that series so, so much. But, you know, now that I've gotten older, it's like cool just to see like the breadth, you know, to see all of you writing your stuff and just to see that martial arts is getting more representation in, in, in this, uh, in these genres. And Alex, I'll, I'll toss it over to you as well. If you remember anything from when you were younger about seeing martial arts in SFF. Yeah. So as far as like what we consider martial arts, I don't think I, I really had very much reading as far as, um, outside of, of what everyone else is talking about movies, anime, um, I feel like everything I was exposed to was kind of a mix. You know, I had had exposure to to um, some anime as a kid and then just like American Western cartoons like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, subconsciously somewhere in my brain, um, a lot of the science fiction fantasy I was reading kind of melded with with martial arts in that I think martial arts, the the um, kind of the hero's journey that that you see this the standard trope of of you know master and student or just of a of a, a warrior becoming better and, and learning new new techniques is something that you do see like so often in, in uh you know standard fantasy um like i was reading a lot of r.a salvatore um and i think you know not not consciously but i think my brain subconsciously was connecting a lot of those things like whether it's it's you know unarmed combat or or you know swords or or magic it all seemed to be very similar to me um especially when i started watching a lot of like you know jet Li movies in high school i, I went down this jet Li. I, I was just in my basement watching Jet Li for like that's a good for, that's a good probably several months. <laughs> you know, Fist of Fist of Legend. I think I watched that movie like thirty times over and over. And it, I think again, subconsciously now thinking back, and I think a lot of that kind of clicked with like, wait, this is kind of like fantasy. This is mm. the same the same tropes that you see. Um, and, and I think that that connected a lot for me. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and it's cool because nowadays we're seeing things like, I don't know if it really exists that much in in traditional publishing, but in self-publishing, there's this whole sort of subgenre called progression fantasy. And it's kind of the idea of like a character, very character driven, but they're progressing and, and, and acquiring skills through, you know, just the overcoming of challenges and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of the time it involves combat and things like that. So it's kind of cool. It's like martial arts films a lot of the time it's like karate kids a progression well it's not a progression fantasy it's a progression uh (laughs) reality but it's cool to see that that uh different genres are sort of pulling from each other and there is this sort of intermingling of ideas like you were like you were saying alex and sam i'll toss this to you uh you know once you started writing at which point did you then realize or conversely consciously decide holy crap, I can incorporate martial arts into my fiction, you know, and can you briefly describe how you've done that? Um, and then at the same time, tell us a bit about that initial process, because I know this is something that is very difficult because you mentioned it yourself, translating real combat experience to the page to make it as not necessarily comparatively engaging to films, but engaging in its own way. Yeah. So I'm probably the odd one out here a little bit because, um, I, I, 
wrote a series of books in which my my characters are kind of actively not um not fighters um so they are largely trying to solve problems with um uh thinking and <laughs> talking and um and puzzling things out and they're not they're not sort of trained fighters uh which doesn't mean that I didn't incorporate martial arts into it but it did mean that I didn't have the kind of classic your protagonist is a really awesome martial artist or or swordswoman or whatever yeah um so for me the kind of the martial arts aspects meant making the fights that occurred um, with basically sort of mostly untrained characters, um, making them feel real based on my experiences of how how people fight in what certain circumstances. So um, most of the kind of actual um, um, proper serious combat in my books is sort of between armies or in a, or as a poisoning sort of quiet murdery sort of way uh, but there are a range of of situations that my protagonists get in where they have to get themselves out and um i had a lot of fun making those scenes work from a martial arts point of view in terms of is this something a person could could do um and i made my husband you know role play some of the <laughs> some of the scenes out uh, to make sure they work um so i had a lot of fun in doing that but yeah for me it was about making things feel um, authentic to a, a person who um, knows how fights tend to work in real life, um, which is something that you know many readers probably have couldn't give a crap about. <laughs> but it's certainly something that I feel when I'm reading. I really, because you don't, I, I don't get the same buzz out of reading a martial arts fight as I do seeing one. Um, for me, the really the thing that resonates when I read good martial arts fiction is is feeling. Um, feeling that stuff works um, and that the person has really thought about it and they haven't just, they're not just describing a series of moves, but they are incorporating um, character and like that's the advantage you get when you're writing versus um, versus visualising. You don't get the kind of flashy visual effect, but you um, have the opportunity to have the character, you know, you're responding to things emotionally mm-hmm. and um, you get the sense of, of, of how they're feeling rather than just seeing it. Um, so yeah, for me, it was about realism and, and, you know, I'm very, very aware what it's like being the less strong, less Mm. fast, uh, person in a fight. Um, so, so that worked out for me quite nicely in, in sort of imagining how a character who's less skilled, um, could get out of something realistically. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's sort of what I work in, in in terms of, of doing my fiction. The, the thing that I'm writing now, I have more competent characters, which is which is more fun <laughs> in some ways to actually write fight scenes where they know what they're doing. But, um, more, phys- more physically competent, not necessarily... Yeah, yeah, more mental. physically competent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I read in a, in a Reddit AMA of yours that you that you mock fight with your husband to sort of get the feel for it. And I was just like, oh, I love that. That's awesome. Like, yeah, can you well, just sometimes fight, it's just like, you just like with could this realistically so work? Like, yeah. <laughs> But you hit on two things there that I really like. It's like, A, there's the internality of it. And I think that's something all of you really nail with fighting is that there's the the character's emotional and psychological mental reactions to things just as much as there is the physical flow of combat. And, and I think that is super, super important. And then at the same time, it's like, uh, we'll touch on this a little bit later in terms of like things like pacing and action. But, you know, Sam, you mentioned, you know what it's like to be the underdog in a situation. And I think that's the kind of circumstance where it's like, cool, there's some real tension in this scene. 
and it works because this person's trying to figure out how to overcome their opponent and that in a sense is like that's what engages me in in um in written combat versus something like visual combat where like you say it's like flashy and boom 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 and you know and (laughs) Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, they're just traipsing through branches like it's nothing. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. And um, Kay, what about you? What sort of your, uh, when, when did you realize that you wanted to incorporate martial arts into your fiction? And how have you gone about that? And then at the same time, you know, how did you translate your history with martial arts into uh, the written page? So <clears throat> I, d- I don't think it was so much the actual like martial arts, but the way, the way, I think when you're in the situation that my characters find themselves in, which is like a lot of danger and you're like, you're in a narrow street and you don't know what's around the corner. I, I, I draw a lot of that from like, I grew up in, in the slums in Manila. And, you know, when I was little, like it, it wasn't the safest neighborhood. Like we technically, I wasn't really allowed to go out and, you know, mingle with the other kids but i Mm -hmm. i did it anyway and you know (laughs) we got into some fights i may have pushed one child off a bicycle one time (laughs) it's 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 like it it was really like badass cages coming to the surface (laughs) they would gather in gangs and then they would pick on my cousin so you know I think I threw rocks at another kid once. It's so it it was very like, you know, it it was a lot of chaos and I I used that like especially in in the Wolf of Orignaro when, you know, you have this pampered, spoiled like queen and she finds herself in that environment. And I just kinda went nuts with all like the the trash talking and you know, the, the feeling of danger and everyone's you, you don't know what everyone's motivation is. Is this person gonna, like, kidnap you and, you know, sell you for parts? It's... So, it, it has that very realistic, like, just that anxiety. And that's mostly what I use. Like, a lot of the fights, if you notice, they're over pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So, it uh, like, I, I tend to focus more on the the heightened, like, the tension. Because I, I feel like that's that's where a lot of the drama, like the potential for drama is, and then the actual fights may be over in like a page or so. Yeah, and there and is yeah. a lot of incorporating <laughs> blades into that, just like, I'm just going to stab yeah. you, man. <laughs> yeah, like I, I couldn't stab those annoying bullies, but... <laughs> in my imagination, I can do whatever yeah, I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. And Alex, what about you and your Combat Code series? Uh, how did you kind of, come to the decision or realization that you wanted to write this series and then um how'd you go about it and at the same time what was it like translating all your personal history with the martial arts into into the books yeah i mean the the series really uh, originated from kind of a, a single concept that i had which was what if uh wars were replaced by one-on-one combat unarmed combat just because, you know, I've always been a big fan of mixed martial arts, martial arts in general. And I, I love swords. I love magic. But I, I just wanted to create a world where um, those, um, you know, weapons were negated. And so I, I from that seed, I was I had to really create a whole political system and world that revolved around single combat. Um, and 
it, it actually, you know, lately with, with, you know, current events and that sort of thing, there's been that, I've, I think I've seen things online where people have been like challenging each other to duels and stuff like that, which would probably never work in the real world. But I was thinking of that. Um, we're not Andrew Johnson's here. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, at it, at its core, it's kind of like, although it would never work in the real world, it's kind of just the idea of how much easier would it be if people could just solve their problems by, you know, fighting, uh, not even necessarily to the death, but I, I know, I know a lot of, a lot of people who, you know, whether it be students of mine or, or friends that, that have a lot of aggression. And then after they're, they're able to, you know, release that aggression, they're often much nicer people and oftentimes things that can be solved, solved, you know, via a duel, so to, so to speak. Um, <laughs> it's just like, and, get, and that, my, get that you release know, and then cooler heads can prevail afterwards, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean, the, I think as far as the internal monologue for, for combat is of course really, really important. Even if you watch, if you watch, uh, whether it be movies or, or sports or, you know, as far as martial arts, mixed martial arts, things like UFC. I mean, even if you are very knowledgeable about what's going on, it's not necessarily the most exciting thing unless you know the backgrounds of the characters, the, the, mm. the fighters. And that's why the, these, these companies spend so much time talking about the backstories and you can go yeah. all sports, right? you go into the backstories of the characters and, and that is really what, you know, sports and, and especially martial arts, because it's, it's human versus human, um, to, to some sort of submission, whatever, whatever the sport might be. And, uh, it, it's really the characters and their backstories and their history with each other, which, which make it interesting. And I think that does give, um, fiction kind of the upper hand, in some cases, although we're not able to to visually show as much, and and we don't want to just like vomit out action onto the page, um, I think it yeah. gives us the advantage <laughs> of getting just like everything, get, getting inside the the character's head, um, and, and providing that that inner monologue that um, you know fighters fighters have. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that's that's great because it's like yeah, the internality creates the connection and like. I, I didn't really ever think about it, but, but, you know, when you said that a lot of the times when people connect with, uh, so, you know, like a, a sports player or, you know, a UFC fighter or what have you, there's this kind of, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it like glorification of someone's history, but it's sort of like pumping it up in the sense that, that their personal story is almost like their own personal hero's journey kind of thing. And then that is used as a, a marketing tool to, to create more empathy between the participants of the sport and the people who are watching at home, the fans and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, Fonda, what about you when it comes to, you know, you have Zero Boxer, which is more science fiction, and then you have the Greenbone Saga. How did you go about, uh, you know, deciding that you wanted to incorporate martial arts into your fiction and then at the same time translating it onto the page? For me, it was pretty much immediate. When I started writing, there were martial arts in my stories. Um, before I wrote my debut, Zero Boxer, I wrote an entire um, 
fantasy novel that's trunked, that's never going to see the light of day that I queried, but, uh, you know, did get picked up. Um, and that was a fantasy with Blair Shards in it. And then with Zero Boxer, um, it came to me, the concept of Zero Gravity MMA came to me, and that was like the seed of the entire book. Um, at the time, I was working in corporate strategy at Nike, and so I had a really front row seat to exactly some of the things that you were talking about, the building up of athletes and, and the backstory and how much, um, you know, the, the story of the athlete and the journey of the athlete becomes a marketing tool and a rallying cry for an entire population, whether that's like a high school sports team to like Olympic, you know, national level um, competition. So I wanted to write a story that kind of delved into that and the pressure on the athlete who becomes the symbol for an entire group of people who are rooting for them. And I, uh, you know, I was like, well, clearly the the sport that i know best is martial arts and that's i'm so i'm going to write the story about this this martial artist who's an athlete who comes to um represent you know all of earth in this this futuristic sci-fi story so that's um that's how i ended up with with a debut novel and then um at each of you know e each of my books has had martial arts feature pretty prominently in it um but it's always interesting because when people ask me, well, to what extent did your experience help you write those? Um, there's, it, on one hand, it helped me a lot, but on the other, it didn't because every single one of my fictional martial arts has had such a speculative element to it that um, there was, there were so many things that I had to research and make up. So, like to my knowledge, no one has ever had an MMA match in space in zero gravity, so I had to make all that <laughs> stuff up. Um, and that Not included yet. things like, and at the time <laughs> that I, uh, I was writing it, I hadn't done any grappling. I'd done plenty of striking in my life. Um, but writing that book is one of the things that got me into training jujitsu because I needed, I was learning like this whole sort of other side of, of, uh, fighting that I wasn't personally familiar with. Plus at the same time I was doing things like watching, you know, astronauts on the international space station bounce around and trying to like understand how they moved and how that might translate if they were fighting and even things like you know how lifeguards would would hold on to drowning victims because that's kind of like a weightless environment so i was taking all these things and partially my experience partially my research and partially just sheer imagination and mashing them together um with the Greenbone saga there's tons of knife fights in that uh series and Tal i'm not Tal a knife fighter all over the place the tons <laughs> of knives everywhere and i'm not you know a knife fighter i don't have that background i have background in other martial arts but i was the amount of knife fighting youtube videos i have watched you know so like the mindset <laughs> of a martial artist has helped me a lot um but in every single case i've i've taken that martial art and added such a speculative layer to it um that i've taken that kind of foundation that i have personally and then brought other things into it um and you know something to like sam earlier said that that um you know the most of the time when you think of fight scenes you think of 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 screen fight scenes things that you see on film because they're it's just so much more um like visually immediate and compelling and the way i think about um writing uh martial arts scenes in fiction is that um i can't I'm not there to compete with that. You know, like it doesn't make any sense to try and write out a movie fight scene on the page because if I wanted to see a movie fight scene, I would just watch a movie with a fight scene in it. 
So I have to um, yeah. lean into the strengths <laughs> of the tools that we have as prose writers, right? Yeah. And that is um, the, the the personal stakes and the internality and the ability to um, to leverage the reader's imagination. Because ideally, you don't want to write every move onto the page. What you want is to create the feel of that conflict so that the reader sees it in their own mind. And you're asking the reader to do work to create that movie scene in their own head. Um, and you have to kind of, that's kind of this delicate balance where you need to say enough so that they fill in the gaps, but you're not like, you know, you're not blow by blow breaking down a scene on the page because that would be exactly. very technical and very boring. It's like emulation to the point of, uh, you know, satisfying the, 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 the format of, of text, but then also, you know, like you said, making the reader work, work a little bit, because that's what, that's the deal when you're a reader. It's like the writer is setting something up for the reader's imagination to take it to the next level and obviously add their own little twist. And, and, you know, you're not going to put every blow by blow by blow. The readers are going to pick up on the rhythm of what your combat or your fight scene is like, and they're going to start filling it in. And they're going to, you know, based on how you set things up, this is kind of a perfect jumping off point, Fonda, in terms of things like pacing and tension. You have the control as the author to to work with those tools. And then the reader gets the feel for that pacing and that tension. And then obviously they'll fill in the blanks and they'll they'll add a few extra punches and kicks and grapples or whatever the hell comes to their head. And uh, so, Kate, I'll toss this to you first. You know, Fonda, you were mentioning what tools the writer has um, to present a fight scene that works for the format versus a film which has the added benefit of visuals, but then there's so much cool stuff that that written fiction can do, you know? And I wanted to get your take on how your personal experience with martial arts, how your knowledge of it adds to your sci-fi and fantasy stories, you know, Kay, in your case, your fantasy stories of things like pacing and action, but also characters. We've talked about internality a little bit, but also things like world building. So. So like it's, it's the, the way that I learned martial arts, it's, there was a lot of downtime, I guess. Like we, we always started out with like uh, five, ten minutes of meditation, and then it a lot of it is very like self, you know, self paced exercises. So in a way, I had a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I I think it, it kind of so so the way I I write is it's very very deep character driven. Like so it, it's so almost obsessively internal mm-hmm. the way they think so so it's almost like sometimes like the action stops while the character is thinking and so th- that's kind of how i pace it i know that you know so some people might find it a little slow but to me it's it's since the journey is about the character it like the every action they make is supporting like the the story in their head so you know they they do a strike why 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 did they strike that person in a specific way it's usually supported by their internal struggle 
So, and then the, the way I world build, I always world build around the character. So it kind of spreads out. So it's always character first, and then it just spreads out to their actions, and then it spreads out to, like, the world that's supporting these characters' arc. So, I, like, th- that's kind of how I approach it. It's, you know, so so I don't I don't let the character take action that doesn't necessarily support their journey, the mm-hmm. the character driven journey that they're taking. Yeah, yeah. So I like when, when I write, I end up cutting out a lot of paragraphs where they they're just like doing action, but it doesn't it doesn't support the internal struggle. I have to like, oh, you know, <laughs> throw it out. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's good that you have that you have this own sort your own personal hierarchy in terms of. You know, character is key and everything has to support that. And I think it's really important for, you know, action scenes not to exist just for the sake of like, oh, there's like a, uh, a lack of excitement in this particular chapter. Let me just add a fight scene. Fonda, I think we, we've spoken before about how uh, regardless of what it is, you know, in terms of a fight scene, in terms of dialogue or whatever, you know, you have to you have to place your characters in a situation that, that, that adds to multiple elements at once, whether it's the character's own, uh, personal journey, uh, or their relationships to other characters, whether it's the world itself, uh, you know, and the action, you know, if it has consequence, then that consequence is felt, the repercussions are felt throughout the narrative, you know, and all of you do a really good job of this, of giving your characters uh purpose when it comes to their action it's not just like this part's boring let me just toss some shit in there and hope people get excited it's like no these these fights mean something and there's growth in there in some particular way so sam i'll I'll toss it to you the same question that i that i gave Kay. um so i mean yeah i mean completely right the the way that fight scenes work in books has to be like anything else in the story and that it has to serve the story and it can't just be there because you think, well, crap, I've had my character sitting around talking for <laughs> a couple of pages. Which I'm particularly Flip guilty a table of and have them fight. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, I mean, look, f- fighting like anything else is an amazing way of, of, of bringing in world building and character because um, everything about a fight scene is connected to the world and how characters fight and what they use to fight with. Um, and I don't just mean in terms of weapons, but also in terms of what you're using in there. You don't just want to have your characters fighting in a vacuum unless it's literally an arena. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. if, if your, your action is <laughs> taking place in a kind of a, an unplanned way, then it, um, yeah. then you, you, you can incorporate the the elements of the place that they're in um, and what they're wearing. I mean, I'm sure we all know like fighting is quite, different those of us who've sort of done wrestling type things like the difference between um no gi bjj versus gi bjj like the the moves the way the things that you can do are quite different um so what people wear is important and um even dumb things like you know their, their footwear and hairstyles and stuff can be like one thing that i find really as a, as a woman in particular uh, i find very frustrating is um uh watching martial art type things where the women have their hair going everywhere and i just like as a as a fighter unwieldy it doesn't work it's no i mean it just it it. genuinely hurts (laughs) if you are grappling with someone with loose hair it hurts so much all the time when your hair gets pinned (laughs) it's like it's like a dumb little thing that people don't kind of 
you know, sometimes you've got these elements that look cool, but if you've actually done these things in, in person, you, you want to know how that really feels when you're actually doing it. Because like you say, you're, um, you're, you're, you've got the internality, which means that your character's experiencing what, what they would actually experience. So, um, so those all sort of things help you, you can build your world into them. And yeah, as part of the, the story elements, um, the fights can't just be a meaningless action. They have to, they have to enhance or resolve tension or, um, you know, create new problems or, or, or solve them. Um, they have to be doing something for the story. But I, I just think that's like any other part of a book, like a, a fight scene shouldn't be a separate kind of scene. It should be like anything else you're asking that you're either telling the, the reader the answer to something or you're creating a new question for them to, to keep mm-hmm. them going or both ideally. Yeah. And if a character does have long hair, I mean, it's maybe they don't know about fighting. You can incorporate that and just <laughs> well, show, right. how, like, I, show I how shitty it is to have long hair. hair <laughs> unless that flowing hair is getting like caught in something or just pinned by yourself. Like I used to have very long hair, obviously no hair now, but um, I used to have very long hair and wrestling. It's a legitimate problem um, because you, you like you pin it yourself. It gets pinned behind your shoulders when you're on your back. It's always a genuine yeah. problem. You can't move your head because you're pinned down by your hair. Um, anyway, that is a, <laughs> a dumb small thing. I just feel like like martial artists and what I said before about martial arts and nerds. Um, it's a genuine thing because I think that martial arts, in, well, sports, sports in general, martial arts maybe in particular because it has that sort of link to um, um, someone who's maybe like we get a lot of people in jujitsu probably a higher proportion than most sports of people who aren't good at other sports. Um, and I think that's partly because martial arts aren't, especially the kinds that I've traditionally done. Maybe it's maybe it's slightly different in, you know, boxing or, or, or the pure sort of striking ones, but um, you get people who are natural athletes who come in and aren't immediately good at it because a lot of these things are very specific, precise movements that just take repetition to get the muscle mm-hmm. memory up. Um, and a lot of kids who are normally very athletic and really good at sports get frustrated quickly and quit. Um, and a lot of kids who aren't necessarily good at other sports do persist. And so I reckon we have a higher proportion of of nerds. And so there's that kind of overlap between, <laughs> you know, like the, the the traditional, you know, underdog kid who's not good at, <laughs> at sports slowly becoming becoming good. And I think that um, that lends itself to the sort of fictional journey, hero's journey kind yeah. of tradition as well. Um, so, yeah, I think there's like, the, the role of martial arts and combat in stories kind of has that natural starting out in one place, ending in a different place um, mm-hmm. story that works well for fiction as well as in real life. Yeah, I agree. And that, that, that yeah, Sam, you just said so many about. things that, that, sorry, go ahead, Alex, that I agree with. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's so many things there. Like if you ever watch like uh women's judo or, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or even w- men who have long hair, they spend, they have to reset so many times just to like redo redo the, <laughs> the hair bu- hair bun, <laughs> and, and it's true as far as nerdy lots, lots of BJJ yeah. girls with the two braids because that's the most secure um, yeah. hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I'm still learning to do my girls. I have three girls at home, and I'm still learning to do their hair. But I think when I have to do their hair for grappling, it's going to be a whole different. You really have to have a yeah, tight yeah. hair game for that, literally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Alex, as far as wrong. as far as the nerdiness, it's it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, especially with the uniform. A lot of I do both gi as well as nogi, and nogi we tend to get more like wrestlers and and athletes. 
but especially in the yeah. gi, you tend to get people that that were non-athletes, and and if the the uniform itself frustrates a lot of people who are quite athletic because it slows things down. It makes it mm-hmm. a yeah. lot more calculating. You're you're able to yep. kind of plan plan your your tricks ahead of time, and I think that that frustrates people that are are typically quite athletic. Uh, end of the day, I mean, obviously, obviously athleticism is a big asset, but yeah. <laughs> but there there is like there is a, a a bonus to being able to approach something with a little bit more of the mental athleticism in combination with you know like an increasing physical uh, athleticism you know as time goes on it's like all not all nerds have to be scrawny you know they can they can eventually build some muscle you know and uh, alex since we're on you anyways if you want to if you want to jump on the same topic just about how you've used your knowledge of martial arts in order to um you know tackle things like pacing and tension world building and characters and that kind of stuff yeah, I think as far as my actual martial arts experience on the mats or, or doing whatever martial arts, Muay Thai, Karate, Kung Fu, uh, it does, it, it certainly comes in handy as far as describing some of the action. But I, as most of the other people here have said, I think it's more so the, the internal um, you know, pacing as well as the, the character building that that is is what I take to to what i write um even for example watching a ton of mixed martial arts like i don't i don't have enough time to watch anything anymore and as far as like ufc it's it's tough for me to watch nowadays just because it's so late and i i go to bed early with with little kids (laughs) it sounds like (laughs) i just can't stay i can't stay up late enough but i used to watch a ton especially if you if any of you guys have seen like in Japan, they used to have this event called Pride, which was yeah. if you guys haven't seen it. You should you should go it's back fantastic. and watch some of those Pride events. There, it's the production of them. It's like the 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 way they would put on a tournament where people compete like four times in a, like a night or or over a period of a week, and and they would have like just the the way the Japanese fans are are so educated about martial arts and they would never boo and and they would you know even on a pin drop you could hear a pin drop um during those events and they would very technical things they they would like cheer for but that sort of thing um the character introductions and and just the the mindset of a fighter i think is what i take more from my martial arts experience both being on the mats and and interacting with a ton of fighters and and martial arts and just see seeing how they look at the world and it is a very unique worldview you really get a a a myriad of of types of characters and i i think you i mean people look at fighters as one type of person but there there is a lot of different there's you know every every personality you could you could um imagine are are the type of peoples that that end up in martial arts so I really think that's that's more so what I take, and and then of course you know describing in the combat codes there there's quite a bit of of martial arts of course, and so describing <laughs> the techniques is is a, is a big part of it. Um, but but I would say more so the the fighter's mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is something that we'll get into. I wanted to dig in a little bit to the sort of like mindset, spiritual, holistic side of martial arts. But Fonda, we'll get your take on sort of like pacing and tension, world building character, that kind of stuff, how you use your martial arts knowledge to enhance those aspects. Yeah. 
Well, there are definitely times when there's a technique or something that I have learned or that I'll be, you know, in class and there'll be something where I'm like, ah, I'm going to use that. You know, so there, there are definitely those times when <laughs> it is like a literal translation of something that I, that, that I've learned or that I know, and I find a place for it in the manuscript. And that always feels great. And what's even greater is um, when your when your instructor came, <laughs> like my Sifu read my read Jade City and was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I I saw like what you did in that scene." You know, like the, so there there's those moments. But I think um, you know on a more high level, um, one thing that being a martial artist teaches you is that martial arts is a journey, not a destination, and that you know it is it, it is such a it's a lot like writing actually i think they're they're two of the most yes. <laughs> um of you know some masochistic like endeavors that you can sign up for because <laughs> there's there's never any you know point at which you feel like you're good at this like ever really with re- writing mm-hmm. and martial arts right you're constantly searching for that incremental bit of improvement and you think that you've got it and like you know, maybe you get your black belt and you're like, yeah, you know, you may get, you get your, your book deal and you're like, yeah, I've made it. But like, no, you know, that's like, that's just the start of this whole other level that you unlock. Um, and so I think how that translates for me onto the page is that the action is never contained in just that scene. You know, it is the, the, the action scene, the fight scene is, uh, is also a character scene. So you, when we talk about fight scenes, you know, and, and, um, writing them, uh, I always try to, to tell people, you know, when I talk about writing those scenes that, um, there's not a dichotomy between your character scenes and your fight scenes, your fight scenes should be a character scene. Like your, the fight itself shapes that person, that character. And, um, that in fact is that that's like the most pure character scene that there is when you have a character who is up against the wall and has to resort to physical violence. Um, that's where you really learn the truth about that character. So um, I think of character and action as, as being very holistic, as being one thing. And um, every fight scene should feel like you understand why this is happening and why this character is in this situation and how they're feeling and, and what is at stake for them. Um, I mentioned earlier about world building uh, that all of my martial arts has this like has um, such a you know speculative side to it. But one of the things that I I think being a martial artist brings to writing writing action scenes in a speculative setting is um, the ability to make them feel grounded and to feel realistic. That was really my goal with the Greenbone Saga. Was I watch these movies where you know you see the kung fu masters like run up walls and uh, and do all these great feats and i wanted to write that with the mentality of martial of a martial artist so that those characters who, are, who have those powers when you read about what they're doing it still feels very grounded it still feels like like this is a a real physical thing that they're doing that feels real and they could get hurt you know and that hurt and there's this the, the sweat and the and the the adrenaline that's associated with that. So bringing that sort of groundedness to a speculative fiction setting and the combat of a speculative fiction setting is like, it's almost like the opposite in many ways of what you see on film sometimes, because you get those 
big MCU tentpole blockbuster films where the fighting doesn't feel like it's dangerous. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as physical because there's so much CGI. And that's kind of like the opposite of what I want to do, like as a martial write- artist writing <laughs> prose speculative fiction. Yeah, it's like there's there's just so much uh there's so much going on and there's just like a bunch of bullshit eye candy that that nothing really feels like it has stakes, you know? And the stakes it's like it can be super uh intimate in the sense that it's like one-on-one combat between a certain person, but it's like no, those Marvel movies just take it way way too far in terms of taking out the the raw physicality of actually being involved in an altercation with another person, whether it's by choice or, or, or not, you know, and Fonda, you brought up one the, of my, the sort um, of like, one of my, oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Sam. No, no, no. Go no, I was going to say, um, it is a contrast to the sort of Marvel fight scenes where I, I completely agree with Fonda where often things just don't feel real or grounded. One of my favorite martial arts scenes is a, just a short fight scene, um, in a movie called gross point blank. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's a, yeah fantastic movie but there is a good one that's one of the best it's so good it's so good um there's a scene where um (laughs) um john cusack and benny the jet are fighting in a um, corridor a high school corridor with lockers and things um and it's such a good fight scene and it feels so real and so brutal um and i really really enjoyed it and i found out later um that that's an unscripted fight scene and Benny the Jet mm-hmm. and um, John Cusack run a martial arts school together, which what? I was like, what? <laughs> 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 um, and, yeah, they're really good friends and they um, they run this school together and this was this was just a scene of them just wailing on each other in, in the corridor. And I was like, that's just a pure example of how sometimes, like, big flashy moves and, um, you know, things that are done visually to make the fight look great on screen sometimes mm-hmm. don't actually look as good as two people just genuinely um, going at each other in a, in a realistic way. Anyway. Yeah, no, I completely agree. There's a, there's also, I think it's in the first season of Daredevil where there's really good uh, oh, yeah. corridor fight scene. It's another it's corridor. Like, corridors are great yeah, for fights. Corridors are fucking great <laughs> for fights. <man. laughs> but it's like, it, it, it just like confines the, the situation and the environment that, that there's no way to avoid you know, potential brutality. And, and a lot of the times it does come down to brutality, but, you know, Fonda, as you mentioned, uh, and Alex, I, I brought up when, um, when you were last speaking about the more like holistic side of nature, uh, the holistic nature of, uh, martial arts and how it can sort of more broadly play into, uh, a fighter's, you know, greater outlook on life and Kay, you mentioned earlier when you were doing aikido in the parking lot and stuff you're doing meditation excuse me and so there's the spiritual side to martial arts as well and i think that's really important because it's like it's the fighter's mindset but the fighter's mindset doesn't necessarily just apply to a specific arena it can broaden out into a greater outlook on life and you know relationships and all kinds of different aspects so Okay, I'll start with you, you know, since you were speaking about it earlier in terms of meditation and that kind of thing, you know, how does martial art practice or how did it play into your spirituality and how does that kind of continued into your outlook on life? And, you know, does it appear in your stories uh, as well? And if so, what does it add to the, to the, the nature of it? So the, the school that trained me, it was actually like, it, it emphasized the spiritual holistic side of martial arts, like to a frightening degree basically you can get thrown out of the school for not 
you know, subscribing to these ideals because the way they, the the founder wanted to emphasize on is that, you know, you're not there to beat people up. It's it's self-defense. It's supposed to get you out of dangerous situations. And so basically, you know, you don't, you don't get into fights for points. You don't get into fights for trophies. It's, it, it was one of those schools that like, it was almost, you know, they, this was very important. Like the mindset was very important. So like before, before we started the exercises, there would be like this story time (laughs) where they would, they would talk about, you know, the, the people who were bragging and then they disabled them from just with like, two or three quick moves and so it stuck with me because this was my formative years like you know i would think i was 10 or something and then it it just stuck with me that like you can learn to fight but not actually you know look for fights Mm -hmm. so the way that translated like like into my writing i i actually really started to question how a lot of fiction or a lot of stories they see violence as the means to to an end right like like we were talking about the marvel movies like they just do do destruction like they, they just wreck the city because this guy was wrong and it's like how many people died there man <laughs> like... i do like that they they started to like question that too right yeah. that's like in the in the later uh media Mm-hmm. So, you know, overall, the way the way I approach my writing is that is is this aggression necessary? And so, so usually, if if I do end up writing a violent fight, it's usually because the character is trying to get out, and they're not being allowed to get out, and you know, it's it's like with the exception of bad guys the bad guys i really go 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 nuts with the the show of power with the bad guys cuz you know it's fun but the, the framing of it the the framing of all the scenes is i i i seem to go back to how i was taught from the very beginning it's that you know is this necessary you know you train and you get strong so that you don't like, like somebody else can't hurt you you can get out of a bad situation. Like you use your environment to your advantage so that you can remove the thing that could hurt you. Yeah. And despite being a very capable character, you know, she's, she's a queen. And so people kind of underestimate her and that kind of thing, but she's never the one that's outright instigating, uh, you know, much of the violence It's all being, uh, impressed upon her, but then she's still, you know, using her physical capability, her mental capability to, outwit her opponents and like you say use the environment to to come out on top yeah and i really really like that about it cool and uh alex since we i brought it up with you earlier if you want to get in on the whole spiritual holistic side of martial arts and how it you know plays into your life but as well as your fiction yeah that that's a good question i so i think i've had a an evolution with that over the past 20 years where I think what, you know, mixed martial arts and and essentially, you know, creating the UFC and, and these major fighting leagues were essentially, it became a sport, uh, a very prominent 
global sport is it dispelled a lot of the spirituality, which I think it had a lot of positives as well as a lot of some negatives. Um, you know, we've all seen the videos that are kind of sad of like, um, literally all grandmasters that think they have some sort of, you know, spiritual, uh, chakra power fighting a mixed martial art fighter and them actually believing they can, you know, send a, uh, energy wave to them and then them getting beat up, which is actually quite, quite sad, but also I think very enlightening as far as how, you know, delusional people can get as, as well as students. And I think one thing that mixed martial arts as well as Brazilian jiu-jitsu has done is helped kind of dispel some of the, the less, um, less positive spiritual elements but at the same time i think it's kind of driven it in the opposite direction where i do believe that there are a lot of spiritual elements that can be taken from martial arts that are extremely positive i know for me personally um just the the martial arts has given me so much uh from you know my work ethic and and a lot of what what fonda was talking about as far as um you know there there being no real end to the journey. Um, all of those lessons and, and um, ways of life have have been had a really positive effect on my life. Um, at the same time, when I'm teaching, I literally tell my students, "Listen to what I say about the techniques, what I'm teaching you, and this is and even that. This is my per, this is my body type. This is how I do things. It might not work yeah. for you, but but I, I'm teaching you what works for me." Don't listen to anything else I say. I'm I'm literally an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> as far as you shouldn't listen. I mean, like I'm like a blue belt humble, humble. parent, maybe blue belt two stripe parent. Um, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, I know a few other things, but but I'm not someone that should be able to guide you in the various various parts of your life. Um, and I think that is a, a negative that that has come from martial arts as far as, you know, students looking up to their teachers so much almost in a cult like fashion where where they're, yes. you know, getting guidance on every single thing, even if it's not necessarily good or, or expert guidance. So th- that being said, I, I think um, personally, martial arts uh, does have a spiritual element for me because um, it, it it puts me in a place that is almost um i feel like a, a child it's almost like play i think a lot of adults um when they when they get older they don't learn they've lost the ability to play um and for me i see brazilian jiu-jitsu i see grappling i see martial arts as a form of play um and you know all things aside self-defense aside um you know combat aside i think uh mammals are are creatures that that when you watch young mammals or even older mammals, they play with, they play fight. They learn to play fight with each other. They, and, and, you know, evolutionarily that that's really good because they can't injure each other um, too much. Um, they need to learn the skills they need to learn and they, they don't want to like hurt each other because that would be, you know, uh, you know, they wouldn't be learning at that point. Um, so I think adults, um, for me, um, being able to play, like I'm going, I tell my kids, I'm going to play with my friends. <laughs> and I actually think that has a big tie in with, with um, <laughs> writing for me. <laughs> 
or at least I, I try to, I, I try to, um, embrace that childlike, you know, just love of writing where you, you're making up stories, you're playing with your figurines, um, you're, you're telling a story in your head and I have to constantly retell myself that's what I'm doing when I'm writing so that I, I still love it. And even though it's becoming a bigger part of my life and, uh, writing as a professional, I think can be difficult because it, you see it as a job and that can take the fun out of it. So I, I, I think there is a tie in there as far as, you know, martial arts as well as writing, um, being for me, at least, uh, a form of play, um, trying to kind of get back to that, that childlike nature. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause it's like, yeah, now that I have my, my young son, I'm just kind of reigniting my, my sense of play and just like, the imagination that I have to uh, convey in order for him to be uh, excited and and interacting with certain things. So it's like, you know, his need for play is also reigniting my need for play. And then I get to do things like this podcast and then writing as well. It's like, you know, we we never we should never lose that sense of childlike uh wonder and play that we have for so long but then a lot of people end up losing it when they get into adulthood and it's just kind of like you know well shit i'm stuck in a corporate office job and 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 there's no uh you know there's no there's no entry point for imagination or or play fighting or uh any kind of stuff like that and uh, sam i'll toss it to you as well just on the notion of you know the holistic side of martial arts, the spirituality and how that plays into your life in fiction. Yeah. Well, I mean, I completely agree with Alex about the play factor because I just think it's such a, it, it just has such a releasing, um, amazing effect being able to mm-hmm. go from, you know, a hard day in the office or whatever, and then just going and rolling around on the ground with people. It's just, it's, it's what I was saying <laughs> earlier. It's just, there's something about martial arts that's just inherently fun to me. Yeah. Um, now I, I very much, uh, grew up with martial arts in a completely unspiritual way. So the only kind of examples of martial arts as a spirituality came from me watching media in which it was portrayed that way. So the, the ones that I did were never like that at all. Uh, so I had very limited experience. So the, the, the karate style that I did was very much, there was a lot of bowing, like an obscene amount of bowing, <laughs> um, and a lot of, you know, barking orders at people and there's sort of a military kind of aspect to it, which I didn't love um, because my early experiences have been shaped entirely with just mucking around with my brother and us just having a ball doing things, but there was kind of no sense of um, of a deliberate hierarchy. Um, and then when I switched to jiu-jitsu, it was, it was such a contrast to me because the club was so focused on practical self-defense um, and there was no kind of sense of, of, of titles and you know, my instructors were called Maka and Tuck. Um, it was like a different, very different thing from the <laughs> sensei and lots of bowing and things that I've experienced in karate. Um, and that really appealed to me. Um, and the, um, the, the way that we run our club is, is very relaxed and um, we don't, we're not religious and we don't have a sort of a, a, an overt spirituality associated with, with the martial arts. But having said that, I still think that even even when you're taking it as an entirely unmystical thing, entirely as a self-defense fun thing that you do, you still do learn and the way that you your way that your instructors teach still has a, an important kind of um, psychological shaping, if not overtly spiritual. Like you still learn things about how to use force responsibly and how to treat people um, and how to be respectful, even if that's not about you know, barking orders or titles or 
or, or bowing or anything, you you still learn how to how to treat people with respect. Um, and you know, you, being aware of your body and how you can harm people, I think, is really important. Um, and so, like as a, even though martial arts has been something I've always loved and I love watching it and I love doing it, um, I'm not a violent person at all. Um, and one of the things I was trying to explore in the Poison Wall books was um, was our kind of tendency to try to craft fantasy novels around the idea that violence is the solution and that mm. you solve problems exclusively through violence. Uh, and I was kind of deliberately trying to write a story in which that that wasn't the answer and the, the, the way to solve the problems wasn't through being stronger or faster um, or beating the other person physically. Um, um, and that's hard, I think, because I think a lot of the time yeah. we're trained through the media that we consume that um, – Especially American media, um, that 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 you do win things by fighting, um, and it's a kind of weird dichotomy because it's like that's I love fighting, <laughs> I love fighting so much, I love watching it, I love doing it. Um, you know, I'm teaching my kids that, but um, but I think uh, for me, it's always felt like a thing that you enjoy doing in a controlled, fun environment, and you mm-hmm. you would be able to do if you had to, but you wouldn't seek it out. Um, and I think even when you're not teaching martial arts in an overtly spiritual way, you're still trying to convey that. And I think that still has an impact on on how you think and feel about violence in general. Yeah, I completely agree. You should go tell that to Will Smith, Sam. I think he uh, <laughs> learns a thing or two. <laughs> um, Fonda, I'll, I'll toss the same question to you just in terms of your personal take on, you know, the holistic spiritual sides of uh, martial arts and how that plays into your writing. Yeah. So I think for me, Martial arts has always um, been a very mentally healthy place to be. Um, You know, there are so many things in your day-to-day life that can be very frustrating. And um, also so much of writing is very isolated and in your own head and um, and, and just sitting in your chair. And so martial arts has always been like that counterpoint to me, like whatever has going on, whatever is going on that is frustrating, I could take it out like, on on the punching bags you know when i get to the dojo like i can mm-hmm. i can purge some of that um you know the the energy that you have that's kind of like that builds up um and and take that out in a safely violent way you know and that like i always come out of martial arts class feeling better um even like on the days when you're like oh god so like i just want to sit in front of the sofa you know like on the sofa in front of the tv and then you drag <laughs> yourself to class and then afterwards you feel better because um it there's there's something about controlled violence that kind of takes down the you know whatever uncontrolled emotions you've got going on and inside and i talked about the sort of the, the complementary nature of writing and martial arts and i think for me that has always been uh, most prevalent in the fact that like both of those um arts are about uh discipline and perseverance more than they are about talent and that's something that um kind of carries through across both um of those fields for me and i think maybe on the page as well translates into you know how i i think about the characters and them having all all the characters that I've written in my novels have like Boku fighting ability, you know, like they just have like they're all big <laughs> badasses in some way, but that is that doesn't fix their problems, you know, like that is um, it, it's kind of like the 
the Harry Potter syndrome, right? Where it's like, they have all these characters have lots of magic, but like that doesn't make life easy for them. And that's the, the same thing I think that, um, that I try to convey in, in the characters that I write is that um, they can have a lot of ability uh, to, to f- in, in combat, um, but uh, that doesn't, that's not a quick fix, you know, like, it, and it's the same thing with martial arts, like, okay, now you got your black belt. It's not like, oh, now you're, now you're undefeatable, you know, like <laughs> you're still going, you're still going to the, the gym like every day and having to, to, to learn to grow and to keep that up. And um, so I, I think there's, there, it, to me, it's not like a, a, a spiritual, you know, like, uh, so it, it's, not, I guess it's, it is spiritual in so far as like, there's not like, it's not like a worldview so much as like, how does, how, how is this personally making me a better person? And how do I think about, um, you know, how, what it, what it brings to me and, and to other people? And like, how does, um, how did my characters who have all these skills still have all these challenges despite all these skills that they have? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, um, there's something that, uh, Alex, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, tying into everything we've been talking about, sort of like more spiritual, holistic aspects of, uh, martial arts, but the fact that, uh, the mainstream popularization of martial arts through things like UFC and, and other MMA uh, leagues and promoters and stuff like that, but also the Hong Kong films that we grew up on. A lot of it kind of glorifies martial arts in a lot of ways. And, you know, sometimes there are truthful aspects to the histories and cultures of these practices that kind of get lost in the, in the shuffle when, you know, someone's just looking at the kick-ass fight that Jackie Chan is in or, you know, their favorite UFC fighters or, or what have you. So, Alex, you know, is this mainstreamification, I'll call it, of martial arts a good thing or sort of what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think, uh, I think by and large, it's a good thing. I think it's, it's shown a lot of people um, the reality of, of a sport and really that's what the ufc has become is a sport and they've had to make a lot of moves to make it i mean from what it it started as um in the early days with with pretty much no holds barred to some extent um in order to make it more popularized they had to make it a little bit less violent um and you know pass all the 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 legal hurdles in various states and and countries and and now you know it's 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 grown and i think that's good um because it's promoted martial arts i think across the world and it's probably um there still is even though there there's a mixed martial arts style that needs to be embraced if you're going to be a professional athlete in that league you have to you have to be a mixed martial artist now you can't just be what it was in the early days which is a uh, karate fighter or a Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah. fighter or a wrestler, you have to really be, um, an athlete that embraces, um, a variety of those. I think it still does promote individual martial arts and because it's such a worldwide sport, I mean, it's massive in China. It, it's massive in Brazil. It's, it's massive in, in Japan. There's other leagues like one, if you guys have ever seen one FC, that's, that's a, uh, out of Singapore, that's a world, a really, that's almost as big as the UFC, um, in, in a lot of Asia. Um, I think that really helps promote the, uh, 
indigenous martial arts in each of those cultures um, because those fighters from from those areas are are naturally going to embrace some of those and bring bring their fight style to the game i mean i i love it It, it's it's changed a lot there are things i don't like i don't like the i'm not a big fan of like the the shit talking and all the the self-promotion um that that has to go into it and and how you know it certain parts of that moves away from from kind of a, a more traditional martial arts culture of respect which which I I do believe in. Um, I understand it's a it's a business from from a, a business perspective. It makes perfect sense why that why fighters like these rise to the top. And um, but but I love it because it really is like like growing up with you know old school kung fu movies and you know uh, you know fighters from different schools challenging the masters from different schools. It's like we get to we've lived we have been privileged to live through a time that is like none other um, where literally all these martial arts from, you know, the early nineties to now have, have been pitted against each other in, in a global arena. And there's, there's so much uh, video footage out there. You could just spend lifetimes watching this stuff at this point of, of various martial arts um, competing against one another. So, so I, I'm like, I'm like a kid in a candy store still where, where, um, you know, I, as I said, I can't watch as much as I used to. Um, but, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, does anyone else have any, have any comments about the sort of mainstreamification of martial arts, whether it's, you know, broader popularization through movies or television or things like UFC, MMA? I, I like it when when nerdy things get become mainstream because then we're not so strange <laughs> for having all these like interests. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it also means that like when I was when I was a kid desperate to do martial arts, there was like taekwondo, karate, and then like we were the only jujitsu club in in the town. Um, mm. And now you can do anything. Like there's there's basically no martial art you can't do in my city. Um, if you're interested in it and you can, it's, it's just made it so much more accessible for, for kids who love it. Also, even though it probably has sort of glorified a kind of the UFC in particular, a kind of sort of brutal and shit talking sort of personality that kind of maybe has always been in, in the sort of boxing world and it's kind of Definitely, crept yeah. into the, but I still think that overall it still doesn't really, like people who have that mindset most of the time still don't get through martial arts because like Fonda said, it's, it's largely a game of, of repetition and persistence and diligence, hard training. Um, it's not, it's not just the kind of thing that you sort of come in with a lot of aggression, um, even if you're athletic and immediately are amazing at, it's just, it's just not the kind of sport that rewards that genuinely. So I still think, I think that the, it's made it accessible to way more people, way more martial arts from way more cultures are available to people across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the accessibility well outweighs any, any kind of, um, you know, um glorification of some of the worst aspects of it because i just although there'll be some people like that most of the time the people who stick with martial arts that that if they had that first kind of personality it kind of gets worn out of them through persistence and the frustration of, <laughs> of, of getting beaten over and over again I mean, maybe it's i do the kind of martial arts where you do a lot of falling um yeah. you can only you know fall get slammed into the ground so many times and retain an ego i think <laughs> 
I think yeah. the, the ego, the ego dis- disillusion is a, is a big thing. And, and Fonda, I'll, yeah. I'll toss it to you in terms of the mainstreamification of, of martial arts, but also, uh, afterward, if you, if you would touch a little bit on, on, you know, martial arts in, in science fiction and fantasy, if, if there's, you know, more that you would like to see in terms of the, uh, you know, the future of, of these art forms within SFF. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, as someone who got into martial arts because I was first and foremost a cons- consumer of media with martial arts in it, um, I'm, I'm all for, uh, you know, the, the portrayal of it in a way that, you know, broadens that funnel of people who are interested. And, you know, you never mm-hmm. know when a piece of media is going to strike you in a way that lights some spark that might otherwise not have been lit. Um, and you know, I came through martial arts through media and I, I just right before this podcast as my son's volleyball game. And he got to, to, into that because of an anime show. So like, you never know, like sometimes there's, there's <laughs> that, that, that show or that depiction that like that, that thing that, that sparks an interest that could be a lifelong, um, journey for you. Uh, in terms of what do I want to see in science fiction and fantasy? Um, I, I feel like I have seen more of it in recent years than there was before. I mean, largely due to, you know, the people on this panel and other, um, other writers as well. I think one of the things that has happened is that, um, and, and I would say this is, uh, largely because of self-publishing is that, you know, now if there's something that is, that gets you excited that, um, that you want to write about and you, uh, you're, you're now able to find those like-minded people who want to read about it, right? So like I, I, in the past when there were no other options, you might've been like, hey, I want to write a, a martial arts fantasy and some publisher might've been like, well, I don't know if the market is big enough for that. Well, now there's definitely yeah. a way to, to get it out there um, and, and do proof of concept, right? So um, I, I think that I've seen a lot more um, of, uh, of, of people of authors bringing their own personal passions and, and love, including martial arts, um, into the field. Uh, I, I mean, I, um, I, I always, so I write fantasy, but, um, I also have always loved martial arts and science fiction. And like some of my favorite scenes are, are like the, um, the, uh, the, the, boxing scenes like the fight scenes that they had in like Battlestar Galactica and like yeah. <laughs> seeing like the you know that it's still a part of like people's lives like I, I like the yeah. idea that martial arts is something that is enduring like we're gonna bring into space into the colony planets and things like that oh yeah we are. Um, yeah <laughs> so I think it there's sort of a logic people are like oh yeah of course there's gonna be sword fights and kind of hand-to-hand combat in fantasy um but I love seeing it in science fiction. I, I love the idea of, um, you know, it, of, uh, of the fact that, you know, this is, this is just sort of part of our human nature and like, um, where it's going to endure. Yeah. Just like more martial arts and SFF. Come on people. And, uh, Alex, what about you? You know, if you, if there's something that you want to see more of in terms of martial arts in relation to SFF and then afterwards, Sam and, and Kay, I'll get your takes as well. 
I think we're just like Fonda said, I think uh, things are moving in the right direction. I mean, not just SFF, but like even uh, mainstream media um, shows like like Warrior. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that's that's a really fantastic show yeah. on, on HBO. Um, it just got renewed for for season three. Actually, I just saw read something about that. It was based on like Bruce Lee's uh, original treatment and the show Kung Fu, which I was a big fan of back in the day was was like Hollywood ripping off Bruce Lee and like putting it in like <laughs> David Carradine in the place of an a, of a Asian guy. And it's, it's kind of sad, but now that war I, warrior is, is on, on the air, I think it's kind of like redeemed that. I think things are moving in the right direction. Um, and I totally agree with Fonda. I love martial arts in science fiction uh, especially uh, just the portrayal of it. And I think that's been something that's around for, for a while, just like kind of talk, talking again about what I was at the, at the start of the podcast, um, how fantasy and the, the tropes and fantasy of are, are very tied into, you know, martial arts tropes, even, of course, we all know, like, uh, George Lucas, um, you know, being inspired by, by Kurosawa, um, and like samurai culture with the Jedi, I think all those things are kind kind of bleed together. So I love it all. Uh, Mandalorian, for example, I know the 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 showrunner for Mandalorian was very inspired by Lone Wolf and Cub, um, which I'm a really big fan of. And and you can see it. It's not. It doesn't have Fantastic, to be. Man. It can be very yeah. subtle. It doesn't have to be like this is kung fu. This is jujitsu. It can be the 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 tropes, um, the progression, as you said, the, the, the master and apprentice, uh, relationship. Um, and I think that that is something that has been a part of fantasy, but I think it'll all bleed together. Um, it doesn't have to be just like a martial arts story or, you know, a a, a Western medieval fantasy. I think, you know, books like, like what Fonda is writing, um, that, that blend, um, what a bunch of different um, uh, stuff from a bunch of different things. Um, I think that really is is the direction we're heading, and and I like it. I like I love I love just like mixing tropes together, and um, you know blending sci-fi and fantasy. I'm super inspired by like you know uh, JRPGs and anime, and I think some of those formats have less constraints where they're not like this is sci-fi, this is fantasy, this is, you know, exactly, medieval, yeah. this is, um, from this culture. I think they're there. It's almost like they get the advantage of, of assuming it's just a mix from the start. And I think I see fantasy and sci-fi moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And Kate, what about you? What's your, uh, your hopes for, for the future of martial arts and SFF? I, I agree with Alex and Fonda. I, I like the way the direction things are going now where, you know, you see, for example, in film, you see a lot more like Asian people actually doing mm-hmm. the martial arts <laughs> from their cultures. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great time. It's, it's no longer like, like it used to be in the past where it's so alien, you know, like where we're having martial arts is suddenly it, like that, that material is steeped in Orientalism and it's more, it's more subtle now where this is just a way that this character is fighting. Like, I think a great example in my head is like Raya where, you know, she displays martial arts, but it's not a martial, 
arts movie. It's a, it's a fantasy mm-hmm. for yeah. kids. So you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a great time right now. I like really excited to see what else is in the horizon. Yeah, I like that because it's kind of just like the representation of martial arts without having to be so explicit about it. It's like you can incorporate it so that it feels natural within the context of the story, the world, what have you. It's like I don't think any of you like explicitly say this is the specific martial arts form or anything like that. It's like, no, this is just a natural integration into this world and and it blossoms out of that and it feels awesome. It just feels really cool because it feels natural to the characters and the context and everything around it. And Sam, I'll get your your take to to close us out. Well, I mean, I think everyone's really said it already, but we're just at a point in time where more people are being allowed to tell stories and making it accessible to broader audiences. Um, And the combination of that with martial arts being more accessible and more mainstream means that we're just getting to see different people from around the world's different takes on what martial arts means to them and how they incorporate it in different kinds of storytelling and how it gets used to tell stories. Um, And, you know, like I didn't know I needed a a, um, sort of, crime family drama where magical jade <laughs> enhanced your martial arts abilities until i saw it so like i don't i don't know yeah. what i needed until until it's out there it's so exactly it's so exciting when you find some new take on, on something and we're just at that point in time where that's more likely than ever which is just exciting mm-hmm. i think yeah it's a beautiful time for martial arts and uh just to finish off uh sam i'll start with you if you could share one of your absolute favorite representations of martial arts in uh you can pick one for fiction and another for film or television well i've kind of already given some of mine but i mean i'm, I'm not trying to suck up to fonda here but, but jade <laughs> bone is just so good and so unique um in terms of twisting what what fantasy looks like <laughs> in, in setting and like basically just writing this generational political crime drama that incorporates so many cool things that we love um in a, in, in in sort of using aspects of things that we that i've loved from from movies as well as story of storytelling in, in in writing form um to just blend together this entirely fresh saga that i just i'm just obsessed with sorry fonda <laughs> and i already told you my i already told you my favorite uh my favorite fight scene from underrated fight scene from go watch that movie it's fantastic yeah but i will i will give you my favorite non martial arts sword fight is the classic um sword fight from the princess bride between hell yes and the man in black on the clifftop it's just it's flawless yes. it's you, you cannot fault that that scene that is um, that is that is enjoyable like, enjoyable dialogue and character and exactly superb martial arts at the same time it's, it's perfect yeah that for me is like chef's kiss of like character my three character my three-year-old sam is saying my three-year-old is saying uh i am an eagle montoya you killed my father <laughs> <laughs> observe my t-shirt alex oh hell yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So good. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and having kids, you can make them like the Princess Bride. Same exactly. as you. It's, it's great yeah. shaping the next generation. <laughs> uh, well, Alex, uh, I'll toss it to you. What's uh, one of your favorite representations in fiction and uh, another pick for film or television? So uh, not science fiction fantasy, but one of the pieces of fiction that I, that I saw a good representation of martial arts was actually um, a, a series called the John Rain series. Um, it's by Barry mm-hmm. Eisler. There's a whole series of, it's like an, this assassin. Uh, and it's just fiction. It's kind of like spycraft 
combined with martial arts, but there's, there's a lot of realistic portrayals of martial arts in that series. I think it was optioned at some point and Keanu Reeves was going to play the main character. I don't know if, I don't know if it ever materialized as we, we all know how these things go, but, but I would love to see that come to fruition. So that was a really good, good one. I also am, am a big fan of uh, just to make Fonda more embarrassed uh, of, of Greenbone saga. I thought, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, as far <laughs> as, far as, um, as far as uh, film, um, I, the old school uh, Fist of Legend is one of my favorites uh, with Jet Li. I, I just love that movie. I haven't seen it for a while, but I probably have to. When the kids are old enough, I'll, I'll show it to them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're raising them right with the Princess Bride and all that already. So you're good. And uh, Fonda, what about you? A pick for fiction <laughs> and one for film or television? Oh, gosh. This is hard. Um, I'm actually going to mention a book that is not speculative at all. It is a very slim um, novel called The Long Shot by Katie Kitamura. And it's like one of the most realistic portrayals of an MMA fighter that I've like ever read. It's, um, it, it's a, I don't think I've ever really seen it mentioned anywhere else. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I will also mention a uh, another MMA movie called um, Warrior, starring Tom Hardy, that was released. Yeah, that's such a good like, movie. Maybe a, a decade ago or so. And again, like a small film that like I don't hear anyone talking about, but it's about these two brothers, uh, and it is like it's chock full of feels like I'm just like crying in this MMA movie. Um, but a great example of like <laughs> martial arts, um, as sort of a, this catharsis for character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome picks. Warrior is fantastic. It was a really good movie. Warrior movie, warrior, the TV show, check them both out for sure. Yes. Both of NK, those we'll, we'll really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And Kay, we'll close out with you with your two picks, one for fiction, another for film or TV. So the the one for fiction, Jade City. <laughs> you guys, I'm not even Just paying you. I'm you they're gonna think that I'm paying you. Yeah. That's what this podcast and, panel is for, Fonda's promotion. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great point. Drinks are on me, uh, next but, con. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the one the other one that comes to mind is uh it's it's a combination it's manga anime it's it's Full Metal Alchemist. Hell yeah, so good. I I I loved how like you know how Edward is not the biggest character and he's he's disabled he doesn't have an arm or a leg, but they still have him training in martial arts so that mm-hmm. you know. Maybe not overpower, but you know he can go up to the stronger opponents, and also as a way to like train his body to make him you know fit despite his disabilities and despite his disadvantages. And I, I, I particularly love that it was like a, a woman who was instructing them as well, yeah. and like how she was like really competent, and they they were so scared of her, and you know it's just great. Yeah, I recommend that show in like all its forms. I think the anime yes. has like two different studios that have created two different yeah. versions, but both are fantastic. She's like, just yeah. all of I can't amazing. believe we didn't mention Avatar, the last airbender. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. 
that just, hey, next panel, next panel. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the not the movie. Styles like, that they whoever, that. So whoever's listening or watching, not the do movie, not yes, watch the movie would. by M. Night Sh- no, 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 Shyamalan. Please, the anime is fantastic. And Legend of Korra is like a pretty solid follow-up, but the, the Avatar is just, mm, just delicious martial arts anime in yes. all its many forms. Cool. Well, uh, Fonda, Sam... Okay, Alex, thank you all so, so much for sharing your insights about martial arts. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, if you could please share with viewers and listeners where they can find you on social media. We'll start with you, Fonda. You can find me online at my website, FondaLee.com. I'm on Twitter at FondaJLee and Instagram at Fonda.Lee. Awesome. And Sam? Uh, I'm at Sam Hawk Writes on Twitter and Instagram. I do have a website, which is samhawkwrites.com, but I'm, I'm I haven't updated it in a while. Sorry, so it's probably easiest <laughs> to find me on on Twitter or Instagram. Cool, thank you. And Kay, uh, it's probably best to just look me up on Twitter. It's K underscore Villioso, and that's where I do all my. You know, all your shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you. And Alex, what about you? I'm combat codes for for everything. Website, Twitter, Instagram. It's just combat codes. <laughs> oh, awesome. Cool. Well, y'all, thank you so much for for chatting with me. I appreciate you being here, and yeah, we look forward to having you on the show again. So, thank you so much. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having Adrian. Us. Good to see everyone. And there we have it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our panel on martial arts and SFF. Thank you again to our guests this episode, Fonda, Kay, Alexander, and Sam. Also, if you'd like to hear more from Fonda, check out my interview with her from back in December. It was an awesome chat and I highly recommend it. You can find that in audio on the podcast feed or video on the FanFiatic YouTube channel, and I'll include links for both of those in the show notes. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate and review us on your platform of choice, and share us with your friends. It helps a lot and we greatly appreciate it. You can also follow SFF Addicts on Twitter or Instagram at SFF Addicts Pod for updates and more. And you can follow me, Adrian M. Gibson, on Twitter or Instagram at Adrian M. Gibson. SFF Addicts is part of FanFiAddict.com, so make sure to check us out there for the latest in book reviews, essays, and all things sci-fi and fantasy, as well as the full episode archive for the podcast. And for all your literature needs, head over to thebrokenbinding.co.uk. All music comes courtesy of the talented Astronauts. Check them out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash S-T-R-O-N-O-Z. All links for the episode are also available in the show notes. Now, keep reading, keep imagining, and we'll see you next time on SFF Addicts. <laughs>